Muppet fans, and welcome to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we are very happy to have a special guest back with us from last week. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Lynn Thomas, and you may know me from the Verity podcast where I join five other women talking about Doctor Who. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Today, we are talking about minutes 51 and 52 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which the first time it happens concludes in grand fashion, and the real Lady Holiday has her necklace stolen. So uh, we talked about this uh, some last time, but this is actually, we open in the middle of uh, Miss Piggy's tap dancing uh, which, as we noted before, you you see a few shots uh, from far away and then from behind, like just Piggy from the waist up. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the camera whips down and there are her actual tap dancing feet. And it's delightful. Well, what I love about it is, like, in that wide shot, the two dancers' top hats are right in front of where her feet would be. Right. So, like, like it seems like they are, like, well, like like Lynn mentioned last week. They are going to, It's. it seems like they're saying, hey, this is our workaround. This is how we're going to avoid showing Piggy's feet. Yeah. And, and instead, then, they just show them encased in glass clip, glass slippers. Yeah. And it's, it's like, haha, you thought we weren't going to show her feet. Right. Well, and it's like, it's one of those things where, so we have the, the close-up of Piggy's face, and then the blur of pink as we pan down to her feet, and then we see the tap dancing feet. Do we Do we think that those feet are connected to the puppet? I don't think so. I suspect not. Um, or uh, not to the particular puppet that's that is the main puppet for most of the shots. Like I think that there are a set of feet that are connected to the puppet, and I think that this is a different constructed puppet for this purpose. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's right. Yeah, I, I I'm not able to look at it, you know, frame by frame at the moment, but I suspect that yeah, somewhere in that very fast uh, camera move, it, it blurs from one shot into another shot. Yeah, seems like it. Well, I mean, I would assume that the easiest way to achieve that technically is to just do a separate construction for the feet and the bottom half of the dress to cover it. Right. Yeah. And then so just a puppeteer working just the feet. Right. Um, yeah. Piggy's feet. It's interesting. I, I don't know. Like, She's wearing clear shoes. So we get a pretty good look at them. I don't know if we have we ever seen Piggy's bare feet. I'm not sure. I do find it interesting that she has no hooves. Right. That's what I was getting at. Is <laughs> she? She is a pig. Pigs have hooves, but yeah. She we, does not. Yeah, she just... <laughs> Either that or her have... tights are really opaque. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I mean, I, I've always wondered, and maybe they've stated this somewhere, that that's why she always wears gloves, too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, she has relatively normal... Uh, uh, what do you call those? Extremities. Humanoid. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she has humanoid extremities, despite... Humanoid, yes, pain. that's the word. Um I- I feel like the name of this episode needs to be Humanoid Extremities. But... Humanoid Extremities. All right. I'll write that down. All right. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's just so much going on now. There's the band is playing. There's choreography. Um, it goes to this this shot um, where the, the dancers are dancing all around. And then one of these waiters runs up behind Piggy and jumps over her. Ah, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, and like she la like when we cut back to her body tap dancing and we don't see her feet again, she laughs 
like, and it, it almost plays like she's surprised at her tap dancing skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like she's as surprised and delighted as we are that she can tap dance. Right. There are a few moments in this, this whole number where she seems mildly surprised that all this is going on around her, but she's loving it. Well, she does enjoy being the center of attention. Let's not yeah. be shy about that. So, I mean, it's it's that weird mixture of she, you know, this is, of course, the moment where Piggy and Kermit really, for the purposes of sort of Muppet mythology, this is the moment where they they demonstrate falling in love, really. Um, in a, like, I, it's weird because, like, they did it in the Muppet movie, too. But, like, right. it's, I always think of this scene as the quintessential moment where, like, if you're trying to show what, Kermit and Piggy's relationship looks like this is the scene that you show. Well, well, this movie is so much more of a romantic comedy. Yeah, it is. Like they're they're I mean, they have you know they go on a date with you know Steve Martin's waiter and all that in the yeah. Muppet movie, but like that date ends with Piggy like leaving because she gets a call from her agent. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of the, that's the beginnings of the romance in the sort of tentative sense, but this is really. This is the this is the film where the romance becomes real. I think uh, where it becomes a full uh, uh, it, where it becomes not just a date but a relationship. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's right. And and I think that you know because of that, she's got sort of the the you know new energy from a relationship thing going on. And then everybody because relationships, especially with Kermit the Frog, are amazing. You know, <laughs> everybody's bursting into song around her the way it should be done in a proper movie musical, you know? And so she's just delighted that like all of the trappings of what is going on inside her head are being played out in this amazing art deco supper club. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's happening. She's, she is a star as she wanted to be. Um, Yeah. So then, then there are two other waiters after the one who jumps over her, these other two waiters just start doing these (laughs) acrobatic flips around her. Which is also very cool. It's a, it's a, well, there's just, there's so much in the choreography in this note. Like, I mean, all that stuff. And like we've talked about, the floor is probably raised up. So Frank Oz oh. is under it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I meant to mention that we do see the dance floor in some of these shots, but my theory now is that there must have been panels. Rem- rem- yeah. Removable panels. Yeah. Or they something. must have been able to, think- because the, the dance floor has a lot of kind of, different shapes and things that I, I would guess that it was built well, so they could just pull parts out of it. Yeah. Right. And they've, it's got different levels to it too. So there, there's the ability to sort of do visual tricks with foregrounding to get everybody in the same shot and make it look like they're all on a plane. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but, but also I just mean like they're doing these amazing flips and they also have to be aware that there's a hole in the floor with Frank Oz. Yes. Yes. Like, like it's even more incredible than what it looks like on screen. You yeah. Know? They have to make sure they land on solid ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well done. Uh, so Kermit is still staring at her. There's a shot from Kermit's point of view where it's like m- uh, many images of piggy kind of swirling around each other, like a kaleidoscope. So that's a nice touch. Again, um, very Busby Berkeley. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and then also Nikki Holiday still uh, staring at her, still kind of uh, trying to to uh, work his way into this line of dancers so he can get close to her. Um, and then in the the final measures of this song, all of the 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 staff, the patrons, the the waiter, everyone in 
the Dubani Club is doing choreography along with the song and just sort of celebrating Piggy at the center of it. And then everyone applauds and she takes a bow. And <laughs> this is just a fantastic number. Well, and, and like we talked about, I guess, two weeks ago, this song starts out so simply. It's such a sweet, romantic moment. With right, Kermit it's just and Piggy. this slow kind of, yeah, slow yeah, dance and, number. And then it ends with people doing flips around Miss Piggy's head. Yeah, it just builds and builds, and she's it's the just, star. It's, but. it's so remarkable to me that that, that this whole thing, that, like that, they managed to balance all of those tones, and it all feels. I mean, not natural. I guess it's like you know, it's a big splashy production sure. number, but it feels like it makes sense. It feels like a piece. Well, it's 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 interesting because what you have basically is sort of taking the arc of music that you would see typically in a musical comedy film or a musical a stage musical right and blending the different tempos and different styles together so that it becomes one seamless progression from slow dance number that's romantic to big production number when typically in a movie musical or in you know a stage musical those would be sort of chopped up and there would be scenes in between hmm. so the fact that they decided to do basically like three quarters of act one in four minutes you know <laughs> yeah yeah you're right. is, is really a quite ambitious and b wow because they made it a they made it work in a way that really by rights it shouldn't um it's just it's a, it's an astonishing piece of songwriting and choreography and staging to be able to change the tone and change the tempo and change the structure of the number from its beginning to its end so radically and to do it all with puppets and to do it all with puppets yeah right well it's... well and i mean like i said, and like a blend of puppets and humans which i think right. in some ways is even I mean, it has its own set of issues, but, right. you know, I don't know. It's so it, impressive. It makes backwards and in heels seem easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Backwards and with a heavy puppet on your hand. Yes, exactly. Uh, so in all the excitement, Marla, Carla, and Darla uh, exchange glances. And then Carla, this is Carla, right? She That's shuts Carla off the power. Switch, yeah. Yes, okay. Yep. Uh, and then very quickly, things happen. Lady Holiday's necklace is yanked off her neck. Gonzo snaps a picture. Lady Holiday screams, Aye! Well, and then... And then, <laughs> and then Stanley, the, Stanley the Mater D runs down and says, Lady Holiday, what happened? Was it you that screamed, Aye! Yep. <laughs> Which we we talked about Stanley. Peter Hughes is Stanley. But that's the delivery of that line is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Um, so of course we know that it was her brother, Nikki, who pulled the necklace off her neck, but he, you know, he's still just sitting there next to her. So, um, he just complains that she screamed into his ear. She's yelling at him to do something, but, um, he can't do anything because as he says, I spilled ketchup all over my cummerbund. And ketchup <laughs> clearly is the thing that paralyzes Nikki Holiday. Yes, you can't do anything when you have ketchup on your cummerbund. No, well, the weight of the ketchup just holds him in place. <laughs> he's he's doing such a good job though of playing the idiot brother here. Oh, yeah. You know, like like as you say, like we know that he just stole his sister's necklace, but like it, he he genuinely seems like he's focusing on you screamed right into my ear. I spilled ketchup all over my cummerbund. Like he's just like he's just he's annoyed, just, right? Well, he's just know. an yeah an annoyed 
idiot who's falling apart because of small, you know, inconveniences. Well, and these are these are two siblings who are both approaching middle age. So he's literally had about 30 years of practice in annoying his sister. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so the, the catch-up line, by the way, it's hilarious. It's not in the July 22nd, 1980 draft of the screenplay. I don't know if it was added in a later draft of the screenplay. But in that draft, when Lady Holiday says, that necklace was worth a fortune, Nikki says, but other than that, how did you enjoy your evening? Which is not huh. as funny. It's yeah. not nearly as, well, it's not as weird. Like, right. I still, like, I didn't know what a cummerbund was when I was a kid. Other than this, like, and I still didn't know. I think that I thought it was like his coat or something. You know, I had no mm. idea what it was. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, uh, the fact that it's such a non sequitur actually is what makes it funny. And, and cummerbund is a really funny word. So it's, well, I mean, it yes. clearly using that line was a definite improvement because cummerbund as a word, especially if you don't know what it is, just sounds silly, it's, right? right? It's just an extremely it's funny the same word. Way that, like the internet has spent so much time renaming Benedict Cumberbatch. Same concept. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, when you have that going on and, and it's just, it is literally the most, the most self-absorbed that a baby brother could possibly be in the face of a massive problem that his sister is having. Like literally a fortune worth of diamonds is stolen from her neck and he's worried about ketchup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's that thing where specifics are funny. And then like you mm-hmm. say, certain words are just funny. Yeah. So and the fact the contrast. that it's ketchup on his cummerbund and the word cummerbund, yeah. it all adds up. Yeah. And and in the contrast of scale of problem, you know, is also yes. what makes right. it funny. Yes. Right. Well, and and also, um, shout out to Diana Rigg for the way that she rolls her eyes and waves her hand in the air as she says, that necklace was worth a fortune. Yeah, fortune. she puts so much into that line. Like, it's just it's so over the top. Of, I mean, like, yeah, her necklace was stolen. But it's such a theatrical like Norma Desmond line reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've really come to appreciate her performance uh, in doing this podcast when, and watching this movie closely. She's, she's very funny. She's doing some really spectacular comedy that, that, you know, I think harkens back a lot to the kinds of sort of grand grand dame stage performances that, you know, she would have been fully aware of. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Again, Norma Desmond style. Uh, and, and the mm. best part of course, is that, you know, when she's doing this, she's basically, 20-ish years younger than than someone who by rights of doing that grand dame performance should be yeah and that's Mm. what lean that's what makes the comedy even funnier is that she's fundamentally too young to be acting this way um right she's she's 42 years old in this movie yeah and and you know that level of of theatrics is typically reserved for women who are are postmenopausal um right, and right. and so it, it's 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 hysterical to think that you know that she's just she's just decided that she's going to play this eh, not just at 11 that line yeah. was about 15 for sure absolutely yeah that's interesting that you say that because we found in doing some research very early on before they started shooting the movie there was an announcement that uh lauren bacall was going to was going to basically fill this it wasn't the exact same character mm-hmm. but she was going to kind of fill this role in the movie and the nikki character was going to be her nephew mm-hmm. so i wonder if some of this was kind of written with the idea of an older mm-hmm. uh, actor playing this kind of part but yeah either way diana rigg does a great job with it 
Well, and it's a wonderful parallel because you've got Diana Rigg, who's playing a character who is basically acting well outside of her remit, right? In terms of being, she's a grand dame and she's trying to present herself that way, but she's actually 20 years too young to be doing that, fundamentally speaking. Um, <laughs> despite the despite the, the fact that as a designer, she has the skill set and she's running her own business and she's highly successful. In the same way that Miss Piggy is pretending to be able to be a secretary. Right. <laughs> like neither one of them belongs where they are. Both of them are faking it to a certain extent. Huh. And that makes them that makes it even funnier when you put the two of them together. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So then Kermit hears a patron of the club say it's Lady Holiday, her necklace, it's been stolen. Well, can I can I say one more thing about Diana Rigg? Oh yeah. Um also as she gets up, she furiously tells Nikki Straighten that tie. Mm, yeah, I had never noticed and, that before. Which is, which is the callback to when she's describing him to Miss Piggy. She says his bow ties are always crooked. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. You know, t- during the during the plot exposition. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, clearly this is something that really bothers her. And I love that, like, she's, she's, she's mad at him about whatever. So she's just going to take this opportunity to tell him to straighten his tie. Yes. She just has to yell at somebody. Right, right, and, and his bow tie clearly, is droopy. His bow tie is droopy, and clearly, we're well past the stage where she can tell him to stand up straight, and he's going to listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just slouching and moaning about his cummerbund. Right, <laughs> moaning is a good word for it. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, but yes, yeah, so and Kermit hears uh, somebody say, "Lady Holiday's necklace has been stolen." But wait a minute, Kermit thought he has just been dancing with Lady Holiday, this attractive pig that he met. But before he can ask her, Miss Piggy runs away. Um, Gonzo comes up and says he thinks he got a picture of the thief, but Kermit can't muster much enthusiasm. Um, and that's when he looks down at the floor and picks up a single glass slipper. And then he kind of looks at the camera as if to say to us, can you believe this? Miss Piggy is Cinderella. It's perfect. Yes. Uh, actually, in that July 22nd draft, uh, it specifically notes that the clock strikes 12 as this happens. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, the stage... that, that might have, been, might have been too much. Yeah, well, the stage directions say it's midnight and Porcarella has vanished. <laughs> so, somebody thought they were being very cute there. See, that's like, that would have been like in a, if they had gone ahead and done like silent movie style title cards in this movie or something, <laughs> that would have been a good one. Yeah, actually, that would have worked that way. So, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the action here at the very very end we see a very brief glimpse of piggy outside but we can save that uh for next week so uh yeah any other final thoughts on these minutes lynn i'll start with you oh i think it's really interesting that we don't really get the sort of cinderella parallel drawn until the very end of the scene I mean, you have the mistaken identity thing going on with Lady Holiday with Piggy trying to deceive Kermit into thinking that, you know, she's Lady Holiday. But that's not the same thing as the Cinderella tale. I mean, Cinderella fundamentally does not she she just stays quiet. She doesn't literally pretend to be someone else when she goes to the ball. Like she just kind of ends up she's there in a really pretty dress. She's the daughter of a nobleman. She acts like the daughter of a nobleman and just kind of keeps her mouth shut and then escapes at midnight. And you don't get the sense of her pretending to be a different person who is already part of the plot of the story. Right. Right. She's just given this fancy dress and she goes along with it. Exactly. She goes on, she goes along with the fancy dress. She has the appropriate manners and carriage to be able to carry it off. 
And, you know, that, but she doesn't like, she doesn't actually steal the identity of someone else at the party. And so the fact that they decide to go with the Cinderella myth at the very end of this, when you start with essentially identity theft, I think is really interesting. Um, and it's not something that I thought really hard about before, before talking about it, <laughs> but um, because it's, it's really a weird way to approach the Cinderella tale because Cinderella is not about stolen identity. Cinderella is about stolen lives, right? It's, it's about Cinderella's life that she was supposed to have being stolen from her by her stepmother and her stepsisters. So does that mean that Diana Rigg is in a step is in the stepmother or stepsister role that she's stealing the life that Piggy's supposed to have as a fashion designer, despite the <laughs> fact that lady holiday herself is, as we were saying earlier, a bit early in her career to be doing all the things she's doing. And yet here she is not strictly speaking a fraud, but a, a wee bit above her station. Yeah. I, I mean, it's actually more the other way I would say though, because Piggy, well, Piggy did come in hoping to be a model, but mm -hmm. lady holiday really had no good reason to hire her, but she did give her this job right away without really interviewing her or finding out mm -hmm. what her skills were. So Lady Holiday is actually kind of part of this thing where Miss Piggy is, is give, being given these chances and kind of uh, elevating her status. Yeah, so she's kind of the fairy godmother. Yeah, that's bit. what I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah. I want to hear Diana Rigg say bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Right? <laughs> good. It'd be good. It would be. Um, all right, so Anthony, any final thoughts? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of things. Good. Um, one, I think it's very quick thinking of Gonzo to take a picture of the robbery as it's happening. Yeah, like like the lights go out and he's just like, "Well, better rush over to Lady Holiday's table and take a picture." It may have just been his instinct to to just take a picture when something interesting happens. Right. Well, and like we we've talked we've talked about the ups and downs of Gonzo as a photographer mm -hmm. in in the movie. Uh, you know, sometimes he's just like taking random, like blurry photos of the Thames as they drive past or whatever. Yeah. And here it's like, he's, he's really being a pro, you know, he's, he's getting that action shot again. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, he's just on like, top of it. yeah, as, as we'll see, he gets another action shot uh, at this event when a guy is <laughs> spilling soup on his tie. But, yes. Um, we'll find out more Stay about that later. for that folks. <laughs> right. Um, but so that's the one. And then I mentioned at the beginning of the first time it happens that that was my wife, Rosalind and I, that was our first dance at our wedding. Oh, that's and, so yeah. sweet. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But um, I wanted to say when Piggy starts tap dancing, you know, it's just an audio song, obviously at our wedding, we started just kind of like doing like a, you know, a, like a fake tap dance, half step. <laughs> And the crowd went nuts. And again, you mentioned the Foley, Lynn. Like, I mm -hmm. think people thought we were really tap dancing because of the sound. <laughs> right, right. Like, on the song. Like, people people don't know the first time it happens by heart, you know? So, like, it really helped us seem more impressive at our own wedding. Aww. So Sorry, you said that was your at the reception? That was our first dance at our wedding reception, yeah. Yeah, so... So were you actually kind of moving as if you were doing yeah, tap dance yeah, moves? Yeah, we, we were doing like tap dance moves, you know. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. And most people probably couldn't really get a good look at your feet or your shoes. Right, right. exactly. So like, like, like my uncle told me, oh, you guys are so great. You guys, you're, you're such great dancers. And I'm like, thanks, Jeff. You know. 
Oh. Half the crowd's like, how did they hide those taps through the whole ceremony? <laughs> yeah, right. so we church. never heard them before or after. Right, right. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention about the first time it happens is I'm I'm no fan of Seth MacFarlane as a writer or an actor. Um, Neither am I, he, and that's why I wasn't going to mention this. Well, I was Go going to mention it, but he, he covered the first time it happens on his album a couple of years ago, and it's really good. Like, yeah. I don't want to give him credit for anything, but like the fact that he, the fact that anyone covered this song, which is again, like I said, like not that well known of a song, and like he sings it very straight and like pays, pays it the respect it deserves, I think. Like, I won't say that it made me think more highly of him because I, I think he's, he's a terrible person, but um, I do think it was great to hear that song. Like get, you know, a shout out from a high profile person. Yes, and if if I didn't know it was him hearing it for the first time, I would have probably liked it a lot. Right. In case anyone does not know, Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, American Dad, and various other terrible things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does have a pleasant singing voice. I have to give him credit for that. Right. That's sure. That's the thing. Like, yeah. So. So yeah, I'm not telling people to go out and buy his album, but uh, <laughs> no, but we'll give him that. But that's it. That's all I have. Okay, so in that case, we will close things out for this week. Uh, so listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, and various other places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe, and Anthony is on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Lynn, where, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Lynn M. Thomas. Very good. And everyone should do that. And uh, also, you should give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher or wherever. I don't know. TripAdvisor, Yelp, one of those. Um, and tell your <laughs> friends about the show. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you later. Bye! Anthony, was that you that just screamed, Aye! That necklace was worth a fortune! I smelled ketchup all over my cummerbund.